Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Okay, so quick note after this advertisement. Blake actually ended up making a podcast tonight. So check out the Captain's Log on Anchor. And Spotify, it's actually really good, so check it out. Uh, good job, Blake. You, um, good job. You got me there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Schooner Blog. My name is Bobby Howard, and it is game week in Oklahoma. I've been waiting so long to say that. Here with me, Ty Lee. Ty on a scale of 1 to 10, how pumped are you about this? Uh, it's got to be an 11. I am so ready for this football season. And I'm so excited for the OU team that at the end of last season, we didn't think that we would have. And it has really come together in the offseason, and I'm beyond excited. For sure. And I know for you, you're probably even more excited because this is your this will be your first game back in a while. Yeah, this will be my first game in a couple years that I get to see in person and my first season in uh, four, four or five years, I guess, 2014. Yeah, so you, we, went, we, went that whole, we went that whole era, you know, and kind of didn't get to see any of the Baker-Kyler years, but let's hope, let's, hope you come, let's, hope, let's hope when you come back it doesn't weigh us down or anything. Yeah, no, I don't think it will. <laughs> we did decent that year, so... True, true, true. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just messing with you, but um, yeah, that's yeah, no thunder. That I have <laughs> uh, some sort of curse, which is why I'm going to every game next season because it's not going to matter. So, yeah, you're, 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 you're going to be our tank commander, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about it. Uh, well, anyways, anyways, so football is back all the way now. Not, not week zero. This is week one. Uh, OU is obviously going to have to wait an extra day to play, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm I'm excited to just get a full full day of football. I'm pumped. I am pumped for Saturday, hanging out at the house, watching college game day, and just watching all the games, and then still having a whole nother day of college football the next day because it's an evening game. So you have the whole day's worth of a. Uh, festivities without having to wake up early and being able to to go to the tailgate and go to the game and it is going to be amazing we're doing a whiteout which would have been a lot more convenient had we played a daytime game but that's fine it's going to be great i'm so glad that we're playing at nighttime and i'm really happy that we're playing the a one-off sunday night game because it really gives us all that national attention and it really gives us a, a good national stage against a Houston team coached by Dana Holgerson with a what many are saying is a, a dark horse Heisman candidate quarterback. I think he was a guy with a King was a guy with a lot of talent and didn't really have any coaching. You got to remember that that Dana is decent as a quarterback uh, coach. Uh, if you look back at Will Greer, he had a tremendous career there at, at West Virginia. So I think that Houston gives us a unique opportunity with the time and we're the only game on to really make a statement if we can and say, hey, this is the Oklahoma offense that everyone knows and fears, and here we come, and this is our new defense. So I think that this is one of the most important games of the year, uh, yeah, especially wh- when it comes to, to recruiting and then – the new playoff committee, it's its almost so political now that you kind of have to make those big statements. its You can't just rely on pure statistics or, you know, this team deserves 
or whatever. You got to have big highlight reels to point to. And this is more important than any season opener has been for OU probably since the last time we played Houston. Yeah, I will say that um, obviously being the only game is awesome from a national perspective because I feel like once you once you hit that first first day where you soak up the full day of football, you're just thirsty for anything. And obviously, as OU fans, we're going to be interested in the Sooners whenever yeah. they play. But this will be this will be that nice little recovery game where they're like, oh, we're all going to watch it. But so yeah. it's a real it's 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 important for OU to make a statement. Um, whether they will or not, we'll get to that in a little bit when we break down the game. I'm excited that it's the only game for for partial reasons because I'll be able to just enjoy the tailgate with, without watching my gambling day slowly slowly crumble, uh, yeah. <laughs> slowly crumble like like it did the other day. Um, instead, I can just hang out and uh, enjoy the tailgate. So that'll that'll be great. But um, before we move on, let's sadly touch on the terrible week we had. Um, what was the deal with that Florida game? That was nuts. So let me let me just point out that 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 damn Florida game was yes, I got the cover incorrect and I was a little disappointed about that. Because I didn't get the cover right, I was also disappointed that Florida won, but wow, was that an entertaining fourth quarter. And it, was, it was crazy. Sitting, I, I watched it with a group of people, and and sitting there, and watching it with a you know group of of uh, OU people. So nobody really cared much either way, and just watching the dumpster fire that was Miami's last drive. It was almost like each team was desperately trying to lose. Just throughout that last, like the same player getting. <laughs> Pass interference penalties on multiple fourth and longs on Miami's side of the field. It was just ridiculous. It was, it was unbelievable. It kind of reminded uh, me. It kind of reminded me of that South Park episode where they're playing little little league baseball and they're both trying to lose. I mean, it was absolute disaster. It it, kind of reminded. It was. It was like that last drive. The last couple minutes were a spiritual successor to. The Cheez-It Bowl. Nothing can top the Cheez-It yeah. Bowl, of course. But and, it kind of felt like that. And this was a this wasn't very big nationally because this isn't the kind of headline that is really popular on the national scale. But there was a lot of allusions to it, and there was a lot of discussion on it on on social media. And I know I I discussed it a lot. That's why I'm bringing it up. But how terrible does Tate Martell actually have to be? To not be able to start over whoever that dude was that Miami had out there as a quarterback. Because he couldn't run, and he couldn't throw. So Tate Martell is at least supposed to be able to run, and they never even tried him. They kept that one dude out there that was just absolute garbage. So yeah, Tate yeah. Martell, I mean, like, what do you do? How are you worse than that guy? I'll say this about that guy. Thank God for Felipe Franks, because I think Franks made him look at least like a passable oh, quarterback. Yeah. People, Franks people was thought Fra- Felipe Franks was going to win the Heisman this year. He was absolutely trash too. He had like two good drives, and then he acted like Baker Mayfield at the end of it, like he did something yeah. incredible. It was ridiculous. Felipe Franks so, is about to to call Florida tonight and ask for forty million a year with the yeah. stats that he had. Yeah, it, it was it was a total joke. Um, but I'm I don't, I don't know I. One thing that made this clear, I know ne- never to bet on either Florida or Miami, and I know never yeah. to touch Arizona. I know not to touch Arizona with a ten and a half foot pole because they were oh an absolute God. mess. Just I, look, look, I knew someone was bad. I, I didn't think they would be that bad. And the thing is, it's not like Arizona, like it's not like Hawaii. I mean, it's not like Hawaii really showed out and really tore them apart. They threw four interceptions. Yeah, and, I mean, it was Arizona is an absolute despicable mess and i will never touch them again that that is the thing that is especially when you don't know the teams i'm not trying to defend our terrible calls but when you don't know the teams preseason picking games and picking lines is one of the most difficult things you can do especially with 
marquee rivalry matchups or just marquee matchups like Arizona Hawaii. It is it is so difficult to accurately predict what is going to happen because you haven't seen those teams and you really don't you just get the hype. Like up until a week and a half ago everyone thought that Miami was going to come out with a Tate Martell offense and and it's just it's so difficult and and just to not to loop back too much, but I know I did say last week that I believe that Florida is a true top 10 team. I still believe that. And let me just say, like Sooner fans, think about all the years that OU came out really, really flat and sloppy and terrible on both sides of the ball against a nobody and then pulled it together and, and made it to the playoff or you know, for example, the year that we lost to, to Houston, um, went back and, and went undefeated in conference and then absolutely stomped the second best team in the SEC um, in our bowl game. So don't I wouldn't be putting money on Florida anytime soon, but I'm going to stick by my call that they're a true top 10 team, at least for now. For sure. For sure. And before we move on from week zero talk, just quickly um, do you think they should continue uh, doing week zeros, or do you think this was just kind of a fun one-off? Um, I mean, I didn't watch the Arizona-Hawaii. Um, I don't know about two games. I kind of enjoyed the the week zero. Obviously, it was a special occasion for the, the 150th anniversary. Well, I'm sorry, the 150th season. In, in 1871, no one played. So technically, last year was the 150th anniversary of the founding, but this is the 150th season, so we're celebrating it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it because it gets you football earlier. I would never want OU or a team that I care about to play in it. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would enjoy if they continued matchups on the level that Florida Miami was so you know two low ranked teams or one ranked team playing someone with decent upset potential I don't think it'd be fun if it was like Bama playing some FCS team or no or something like that but something interesting I would definitely maybe like a like UCF Iowa State would be really interesting yeah just Um, just two decent you know power five brand names I think would be great yeah, I, I'm pro the week zero matchup, just one or two. I think, oh. I, lo- I mean, I loved it this year, so it was really, uh, it was neat. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be okay with, like, t- I would be okay with, the, with, like, one or two. I just, I think, like, a midday game would be perfect, because after, uh, watch college game day, and then after that, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't care about this yeah. Sam uh, Youngstown game, and it kind of it kind of makes you sad again. You're like, oh wait, football's not really back. Yeah, um, and it was the pageantry was a little hollow. Like game day at Disney World, obviously Disney owns ESPN, and that was you know seventy five percent just a giant commercial, minus Desmond Howard saying that he was going to choke a bitch at one point. <laughs> that was um, that was great. That was great. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, game day was very half-hearted, um, which in their defense, again, it's, it's week zero and all the storylines that we had on week zero prior to any snaps is the same stuff that you've been getting regurgitated all season, um, and in the back half of last season. So there's not a whole ton of real meaty content there. But it just seemed a little half-hearted with the, the whole at Disney thing. And yeah. thankfully, they were able to have some signs in there. But it was just a different environment, you could tell, in the background. It, it just wasn't as entertaining. And then, like you said, there was a big gap between stuff that people really cared about coming on. And it, I enjoyed it, but it almost felt like... I was just re-watching a game from years ago that I had never seen with people at, yeah. at some points. So it wasn't, it wasn't fully 
college football is back, like you're saying, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. Uh, definitely didn't feel fully right, but I feel like we'll I feel like we'll get get there on Saturday. Uh, speaking of Saturday, let's let's move on to the real game week. Start breaking down Houston. And any conversation about this 2019 Houston Cougars team starts and ends with their quarterback, Derek King. Um, I know you're pretty high on him. You, you mentioned him months, months ago as a threat. Jameson and I probably like laughed you off foolishly. Well, yeah, um, well, you guys were very fresh on his performance in their bowl game. Well, he did, we forgot he didn't play uh, that last quarter of the season. He... Or his maybe last it was ga- something else. Yeah. Yeah. His, his last game, he got hurt against Tulane. We didn't notice that, and then he didn't. He didn't play. They had some rando out there, uh, and Houston suffered for it. They they had a. They, um, trying to look at their schedule here. They only they had three losses. Yeah, they had okay. So they had three losses before King went down, and I believe they obviously lost to uh, obviously lost to Army, but I'm trying to see. Their record was without King, real quick. Yeah, they they ended up losing to Memphis and Army. They didn't win a single game without Derek King. So I mean, those are for Houston. Those are two very rough games. Yeah, no, Army they... especially Army is not Army's not a joke. Obviously, OU fans know that. Yeah, and I think I think the biggest issue with them facing Army last year was their defense, which we'll touch on their defense a bit bit later but uh Derek King um guy's an intense dual threat type of quarterback definitely can beat you with his legs but also is very good through the air um I like the guy what do you what do you what do you I like I I like this guy but I don't like playing him I I like him I I've said this before already I think he's a lot of talent that hasn't had a lot of quality coaching prior to now um and I think that maybe his stats are a little skewed by the fact that he's playing group of five defenses. And when you're an athlete of that level, um, you could just sort of out athlete people, not really out football them, if that makes sense. But I think that OU's defense, even with Alex Grinch coming out in this first game, is not going to be that much better yet than a upper tier group of five defense. Statistically, we've been way worse in years past, including when we've played group of five teams. So I think that our defense is going to be a defense very similar to, in in skill and ability, the group of five defenses that he's used to playing. But I think that the rest of the team is really going to be a big wrinkle. It's going to be an interesting thing to see this defense against uh, Houston's offense because the whole whole thing about speed defense and Alex Grinch's scheme is about attacking, being aggressive, and in this type of atmosphere, that is a def- that is a defense that can thrive. Um, and if you can really put the pressure on King, it'll be great. However, if you give him some space, that is the exact wrong defense for the situation because he can exploit yeah. that. They can move fast if he is poised. Houston hasn't really played in atmospheres like this before. Um, yeah. Probably probably the toughest atmosphere King had played in would be at Texas Tech. Um, put up great numbers there. Actually, his best passing game of the season was at Texas Tech. He threw, for, he threw 51 times uh, for 431 yards. Um, only completed 30 of them. But uh, the thing, he, 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 yeah. Quick uh, side note. How many NCAA passing records and offense records have been set at Texas Tech? Not by Texas Tech, just at, by teams playing at Texas Tech. Yeah, ju- just you got you got the Mayfield Mahomes very infamous game. Um, you got the games back in 07 with uh, with Bradford and uh, that receiver for Tech. Is I feel like there's I feel like there's a a disproportionate amount of records that have been set on man, Texas Tech's field in terms of offense. Man, don't bring back that 07 uh, game with Bradford. He got knocked out like in the first quarter. Someone spaghetti rained him, and we had to bring in some guy named Joey Halsley, uh, which was depressing. But Graham Harrell and uh, Crabtree, I mean, Crab- they, they yeah. tore it up. 
Yeah, 08, they, I mean, it was a factory down there. But, um, I mean, you're right. Jones AT&T, Jones AT&T Stadium is just ripe for offensive performances. <laughs> last, year, the, last year, the final score was 63 to 49. Yeah. Jeez, that's crazy. Um, and that's that's the thing about Houston that I think really really kind of opens this game up to be potentially a completely offensive bloodbath is their defense is not great. Uh, Ed Oliver obviously has gone to the NFL draft. And let's let's face it, Dana isn't exactly a defensive guru. No, um, especially against OU. He has never been able to really put up a Incredible. There have been some moments in some games. Uh, the 2014 game, the first quarter, comes to mind uh, where we were a little stumped for a second. But yeah, Dana's never been that great against OU with coming up with a defensive scheme. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, he's, I think he's going to be able to score on the speed defense. I, um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, forcing him into mistakes making the moment big, turning them over. And I think yeah. I think I think I think this will be a good game, but I could see this getting out of hand of if, um, if OU starts to kind of pile on, maybe get get a first uh first drive turnover on Houston. Yeah. I could see this kind of turning it turning turn the tide pretty heavy. I so. I can see Dana's defensive scheme really depending on targeting OU's first year first college game players on the offense for turnovers if if I were him that's what I would really see like hey I really don't think we're going to be able to to stop them but maybe if we can create some turnovers they still probably won't be able to stop us type thing definitely and it's going to be I think the turnovers are going to be key if Houston wants to piece an upset together yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what young guys do come out there uh, because this OU wide receiver, especially right wide, at wide receiver, the wide receiving depth is very, very good. Um, when you when you look at uh, obviously the big three, the young three guys with Hazelwood, Theo Weiss, and um, I always blink on the other one, Hazelwood, Theo Weiss. <laughs> and um jameson's listening right now like he yelling it just yeah i know this is bad this is bad i know uh trey john bridges duh yeah yeah, yeah. the i mean they, i think they're gonna be very good but the thing is you you got you got so much wide receiver depth out there obviously cd lamb is going to be the featured guy uh you got guys like a miles tease you got um and, and then and then you got guys like this is terrible. <laughs> um, why am I blanking on the guy uh, Charleston Rambo? I mean, yeah. it's it, it, it is a deep it is a deep wide receiving core, and you know, I, I wonder I wonder how much of those young guys get out there early. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out. But uh, I expect to see him very early. I I expect us to just be rotating through guys because. Uh, Houston's defense is not used to playing in offense like we have, and we can really rotate guys out and really put the pressure on them um, to wear them out. Even if you just have receivers running deep routes that aren't even designed to get the ball, just to wear down their their defensive guys, because we have the depth to do that, and they don't. No one really has that depth on defense to. Uh, to deal with that level of substitution. Definitely. Uh, any final notes on Houston before we look at uh, the suitors a bit? Uh, no, Dana was pretty annoyed at in a press conference the other day about OU not releasing a depth chart. Um, probably for that wide receiver reason and uh, the defensive reason as well. But we do have a lot of very different wide receivers um, and he he was pretty annoyed at OU not releasing a depth chart, which just kind of goes back to my praising of Lincoln's calculated ambiguity when it comes to announcing who we're going to play, who we're going to start, and stuff like that. Yeah, and, uh, you can I'm really see it. it affecting him a little bit and and actually getting under his skin. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm for it. Uh, I think you take any advantage you can, especially in a very difficult week one. We've seen this. Yeah, we've seen Houston teams beat us before like this. So yeah, especially that's an honest advantage. That's we can choose to not release a depth chart for for whatever reason. And and honestly, if Lincoln said he doesn't know yet, still I'd believe it. And that's not necessarily a negative thing, but. It's just everything is up for grabs here. Definitely. definitely. I, I agree. And that's that's how you should be looking at this. This is the toughest non-conference game we're going to have. Uh, obviously, UCLA, yet again, is just going to be uh, yeah. the, big na- the, big, the big name that impresses the committee members that haven't paid attention. But this Houston yeah. game is going to be a challenge. I, don't, and- I, think, I think the UCLA game at UCLA at this point needs to just be... OU's California spring game. Exactly. It, yeah. it needs to just, it's, that's its only value at this point is recruiting. And, and it's going to be a huge recruiting weekend. That's, that's one we can't mess up. Yeah. Because yeah. being out, there, be, the yeah. whole team is there. You get an opportunity for a lot of Cali guys to come, not have to travel and just see OU and see us. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, absolutely dismantle UCLA and, you know, flex our defense because they don't really have a lot on offense and then and run the score up and they'll get to see a lot of younger guys playing. And it, hopefully it, it turns a profit when it comes to recruiting. Exactly, exactly. Now let's look at what we kind of want to see out of OU out of this first game. Um, and for me, number one, it, it – this is an easy number one. It's it's the speed D. I want to see yeah. how they perform. I want to see how far along they are. I know they're not going to be 100. I know they're probably not even going to be at 70% uh, quality. But, you know, I think I just want to see the mentality. I want to see the way it looks. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I want to see the difference between a, a defense that was lackadaisical, that didn't have that energy. Um, and, I, and I want to see what type of guys step up that we, you know, kind of haven't seen before. I would, especially in the secondary, uh, it looks like we're going to see a lot of new faces, a lot of new energy, and that that has to be the one thing you're mo- you you have to be most interested in seeing when you're walking to that stadium on Sunday. Yeah. So, what I want to see from OU on the defensive side is more, uh, I guess, more specific than just the speed D. Uh, I want to see results from that speed D and the specific result I'm looking for. And the one that we've really been lacking in that should be more present in a speed D where people are getting to the ball. We've been emphasizing, get to the ball, get to the ball, get to the ball. I want to see maybe not multiple in this game, but I want to see interceptions on the defensive side. Yes. We have been ridiculously low in interception numbers for the past couple years. And it's been a symptom of kind of the defense we've been playing. And, you know, some of it lies on the players. Some of it lies on the coaches, the schemes and everything. But we have had so many dropped interceptions and so many missed opportunities for interceptions. And I want to see that speed translating into turnovers. Of course. So, and that's, I mean, that's the, and then, yeah. That's more yeah, of a secondary that... thing. And then when we look at the, the D-line and the linebackers, what I am looking for is on-the-field leadership to step up and have other players looking to them and listening to them. Because we have little glimpses of maybe a few people that could develop into leaders in the past season, but nobody was really paying attention to them, and it was just a dumpster fire, and everyone was doing their own thing that wasn't the right thing, and it was just... It was terrible. It was it was the Lost Boys out there last <laughs> season. So I want to see some leadership and some response to that leadership in addition to those interceptions on the defensive side of the ball. Definitely. And that that linebacking core is going to be so crucial to um, containing Derek King because he's going to be scrambling. So yeah. we, we, got, we definitely have to have a spy on him at all times. Um, next up, I think, well, obviously... Um, Besides the defense, it's Jalen Hurts. I'm excited to see him out there. I really don't 
I think a lot of people think that there'll be a lot of difference. I don't really think there will be, but I'm excited to see how he looks in the Lincoln Riley offense. I think he's probably going to be pretty good. Um, but I, I really want to see some results out of him. I really want to see some of that power running that we've seen at Alabama. And that's, that's definitely very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. With Hertz, I think, um, it is going to be very much the same and very different. I think that when you look at the very big stats, like points scored and overall yards, I think will broadly be very similar uh, to the past two or three years. I think when you start to dig into the fine details, those yards and those touchdowns are going to be gained in different ways because that's that's Jalen Hurts. He's a different quarterback than Baker, and he's a different quarterback than Kyler. So you're going to see different plays, different schemes, different styles that are getting us those yards. But I expect the end result to be maybe not as great, but very broadly very similar to the past three years. I would expect similar scores and, and overall yards, just with a little different um, – you know, way of getting them when you really dig into it. But I, that's what I expect. What I want to see is, like you said, just power running plays from Jalen. And I know he's going to be good. Um, so I'm mostly just excited, like I talked about in the last pod, just to see Lincoln Riley with now his third different type of quarterback and just what he can do with it. I'm not worried about the Heisman. I'm not worried about first overall. I just love to see potentially the greatest offensive mind in all of football. And you could definitely make an argument for sure uh, for all of college football right now. And especially one of the best quarterback minds and what he can do with, with Jalen Hurts. I, I saw a lot of, I don't want to call them Gooner stats, but a lot of people saying like, oh, Jalen Hurts has had down to the day the same amount of time to prepare under Lincoln Riley as Baker did the first time he played. But Baker also didn't win the Heisman the first time he played. So that's a little Gooner-ish stat because they were hyping up how Jalen was going to win the Heisman. Um, yeah, that's, he's that's had, just... He's had seven plus months, I think was the uh was the stat prior to first snap on on Sunday. So he has not had a small amount of time um to to prepare under OU. And then you got to remember he's bringing all of that wealth of knowledge from uh probably the best dynasty in in recent years of of college football at least since the 80s with with Alabama. So um, I'm not too worried. I know he's going to do good. I'm just excited to see it. Definitely. And uh, not to go back to uh, Grinch and Speed D and stuff, but he just had a pretty interesting quote here where they asked him uh, <laughs> if he, ex- or, like, he said he expected more than two takeaways every game. Or one. He says it's extremely disappointing and there's no excuse to that. Shout out to the athletics Jason Kersey for that quote. Um, that's the exact type of mindset we need to have. And yeah. obviously quotes and talk don't always translate to on-field performance, but that's the way we should be looking at things. And it, it, that first turnover is going to be absolute. Just the, the crowd's going to be electric for that first turnover. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can, I, and I don't want to again, dive too deep into this, but you can, Blame Mike all you want for the past defense, but our defensive players' mindset has been absolute trash the past couple of years. It's been absolutely garbage. They have not had any semblance of an aggressive mindset at all. They've been angry at sometimes, but they have not had any semblance of a real aggressive, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this mindset like Alex Grinch has had I know you can tell that he has it from from practices and from his interviews and I really hope that he's been able to impart that upon our players because that's what I see as the key 
These guys are power five playoff level D one athletes. Definitely. Definitely. Maybe don't, they're a little mismatched maybe against other teams. When you look at just the defenses, they're not on, you know, Bama's secondaries level for sure at all, but they should be able to match up with damn near every single player on our schedule, minus a few superstars here and there. Um, Like, so uh, little Colin Johnson from Texas comes to mind just because the dude is like six <laughs> inches taller. Little Colin Johnson. Guys. What's up? Last little it, it was little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. It was just kind of funny how they got spushed together. Both of them. Yeah. 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 Because they that, were both like six inches taller than our dudes. Like you can't athlete Sam Ellinger just throwing the ball above our guy's reach. Um. Exactly. And but these guys, the the big thing that was missing outside of schemes was their mindset was trash. So if Grinch can impart that mindset on our players, even if we're running the exact same trash schemes, you're already going to see a big improvement. So, yeah. yeah. We dove real deep into that again. But that's the the preseason story, and those are the preseason hopes. And uh, coming from OU fans... Yeah, and that's no. I, that's that's it's going to always be the biggest question with this team. I don't think people are too worried about how the offense is going to look. I think it's going to be pretty similar, um, and definitely be very good. The defense, our, our our hopes will live and die on that. So moving on to the next thing, just really really quick. Last thing I'm most excited to see uh, the wide receiving core, who I clearly cannot remember. <laughs> I'm really excited to see the freshmen go out there. And we kind of CD, touched on it a bit. CD and the boys. That's yeah. what I to call them. CD and the boys. I'm, I'm really I'm excited to see how CD's taken, you know, his steps, how he looks. And really, I want to I see which freshman wide receiver really stands out as, as the one that is going to be an absolute star. Because I, I think... As Blake would say, you got three darts on the dartboard. One of them at least is going to hit to suit, hit superstardom. All three might, but all I know is one of them is going to look good. And I'm really excited to see who, who, who is the cream of the crop here. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I really, I really haven't been able to get a get a feel for which one I think is going to be that that guy. I really like Trajan Bridges a lot, um, but. We'll see. I'm really, I'm really pumped about that. Yeah. Uh, I, the only note I have on, on the wide receiver core um, is I expect, and if I were you, the listeners, I would be expecting CD to have an absolutely tremendous year. He's got the size. He's bigger now. And he has always had a tremendous attitude. He's always been a tremendous, tremendous team player. When you look at him blocking and when you look at him helping out on plays that he knows, he's probably not even going to be in the TV shot. Um, even if he's on the away side of the run and he's just there blocking, like he is putting in effort on every play. And I honestly, I, I said this a bunch last year, I think that he is the best receiver that OU has had since Sterling Shepard. And I would argue even that Sterling Shepard maybe is only going to be considered better because there wasn't as much depth when you look at his career versus CD's career. In terms of receivers, he was very much the favorite. CD's played along a lot of guys that are considered really big stars but i cd i believe was definitely the best receiver we had last year you can dive into the stats and and argue that for for brown all you want but i didn't see him blocking at the level that that cd and putting in the effort that cd was on plays that weren't designed for them and i think that him leading and, and mentoring this new receiving core is the best possible outcome, and I really think he's going to show out this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this is his year to really take over that starting or not starting spot, but that showcase that, that spot. Star. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As I mentioned, I thought last pod, I think he is going to be uh, one of the Blitnikoff uh, 
finalist. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to be that good. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, also, just quick note, I, we don't even need to go into it, but big question mark is going to be how the offensive line does. Uh, obviously, resetting. I think Creed Humphrey is a fantastic uh, – if, if you're going to have anyone anchor – a young def- or a young offensive line. It has it, Creed Humphrey is your guy. Uh, just I'm, I, there's not a lot to talk about. They're either good or they aren't. I trust Beatonville for them to be good, but it's going to be interesting to see how this team. The, the, I think they're going to make mincemeat of Houston, especially with no Ed Oliver. They're, they're going to. I think it's going to be a really cool looking O line, um, and probably not too hard of a test. But overall, from for the season, I think they're going to be. Um, they're going to be one of the big factors, that and the defense. Yeah, yeah, obviously, and obviously we've always had a really good O-line. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really have anything to add. You, you've covered everything on the O-line. We know they're going to be good, um, and, and hopefully they get this time to develop because that's, that's really the only thing that you could really add is just experience. Definitely. Um well, I don't think we really have anything for Cruton Corner uh, other than Jameson. Uh, let us know a little bit. You know, he, he's been hitting the books hard, but he's still keeping an eye out for you listeners on the Cruton Corner. Um, definitely has a little look for us. Said that uh, this is a big weekend for recruiting. Things could really go well. I know there are a lot of people talking about how this has been a kind of disappointing class. Um, I believe we're at six. I, I saw this whole rj young video where texas is kind of beating us in terms of numbers and everything they're i think top five second maybe we're sitting at 16th but a really cool weekend and putting on a show not just on the field but uh not just on the field but as as an atmosphere i think is so crucial to this next recruiting class um and the fact that we're the only game on that Sunday and that can we, we can really have an atmosphere unlike any in the country, um, that's, going to be, that's going to be so huge. And uh, if we get an impressive win and everything goes according to plan and everything, I, I really think we can, uh, and Jameson thinks as well, that we can have a really, really uh, big weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not anywhere near as well read in on on recruiting. I'm I'm slowly easing into it, but I don't know. Sure. To add, um, yeah, no, you're signed, but yeah, All right. you're good. All right, you're ready. I'm ready for our first predictions for week one. Um, these are kind of exclusive before the uh, weekend spread. We'll have those ready and finalized on Friday for you, along with Bowden Blake's picks. The, uh, I regret to inform you, undefeated Bowden Blake, uh, 2-0. His picks will be coming in on Friday or, yeah, no, Friday, I believe, for um, all of these. And you'll get get the captain's, you'll get the captain's opinion as well, as well as uh, an exclusive picker's choice that we've added in this year. We get to pick uh, a line that is not, you know, one of the major lines in college football or a big 12 line. So that's a fun little wrinkle kind of gives you a bit of, you know, discretion and kind of makes things a little interesting. So yeah. Well, yeah. Without further ado, let's get started. First game. We got, um, Northwestern at Stanford, uh, on the farm. Stanford's favored by five and a half. Uh, Ty, I'll let you go on this one. What do you, what do you think? Battle of the Nerds. Sorry, we're we're going out of the order of the list that I have. Um, yeah, no, I am sorry. <laughs> so I, granted, I am really shooting from the hip here. Um, Stanford, five and a half points. Northwestern. Um, I like their school colors. They're in Chicago. <laughs> they have that one strength coach that only wears t-shirts even when it's like negative twenty degrees in Chicago. And he's always, like, jumping up and down and going crazy on the sideline. Uh, but I don't really know if he can motivate them to to come across. They're both very good schools. I'll go with Stanford. Gets the cover here just because they're ranked. And it's uh, under one touchdown. So, sorry, uh, strength coach from Northwestern who's going to be in a T-shirt. 
everyone's going to be in a t-shirt for this one, but I'm going with Stanford here. For sure. And, you know, I, this is a weird one because, you know, Stanford looks a little different. Um, Bryce Love is out, I believe. Did, I'm pretty sure he graduated or went to the NFL. Um, so Stanford's a little different. You, usually you think of Stanford as, as a power. Northwestern's that much, not that much special either. But um, I'll, I'll give you this. I'm going to go with Northwestern, um, mainly because Stanford, no one's at the games. The students aren't back yet. So Palo Alto will be dead. I think this is a weird chance for Stanford to kind of fall apart. Give me, give me Northwestern. I think they cut, get the cover. Uh, Northwestern plus five and a half. All right. Yeah, I, I really do not have a feel for any of these games, mainly because yeah. this is an – I cannot stress this enough. This is an awful week one. It's particularly in the Big 12. There are only, there's only one uh, matchup between a Big 12 team and another Power 5, and that's Oklahoma State at Oregon State. We'll get to that in a bit. But the rest, it's garbage. Um, even then, OU and, OU and Texas are the only teams that are playing, uh, playing D1 teams. That's ridiculous. Well, yeah. And OSU. Um, so let's move on to the actual really good game of the week. Um, Auburn and Oregon at uh, Cowboys Stadium. The Tigers are favored by a solid tree fitty. Uh, Ty, what do you think? Uh, what do what do you think here? Do you think? Do you think? You, do you, do you trust the seasoned Justin Herbert at quarterback with Oregon, or are you going to go with the SEC strength? So for Auburn and Oregon, obviously, like you said, the line tree fitty Auburn. I'm really that's this is. Probably the one that I am most conflicted about on this uh, on this list. Um, I want to say Auburn, but I really don't want to go with Auburn. Um, I'll go Auburn just because it's a, a tree-fitty line. I think they have better athletes. I don't think that either team is really that good. I don't know a lot about Oregon. I just know that Auburn is... Can have a little bit better athletes across the board just from recruiting. So I'm going with Auburn. This is a tough one uh, for me because Auburn, Auburn's starting a true freshman in uh, Bo Nix, which is a weird name to say really That's fast. That's a very Auburn football name. I don't Bo know why Nicks. I think that, but it's, it's a very Auburn name. Yeah, well, you know what actually would be the most Auburn name is actually Brock Purdy's brother. His name is Chubba Purdy, which is... That just that just sounds like a kid who was born into the mm-hmm. world already with Bama Banks. That's a that's a LSU name. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um. Anyways, <laughs> I, I this this is a tough one for me because I'm really not a big Oregon guy. I know I said I predicted him to win the Pac-12 in our preview, but I I just hate the Pac-12, and that's ultimately kind of where I'm boiling down on this. Um. This. Feels very much like last year's pre- game between Auburn and Washington. Um, yeah. You know, it, a, a game that was pretty close with Auburn pulling out the lead. But I don't know. I I just have a feeling Auburn is a better all-around team. Uh, I don't believe in Oregon. Give me Auburn uh, minus three fifty. Uh, and Bo Nix is going to have himself a. I think. I think he's going to have one of those games where you look at it and like, oh, this guy could be really good. So, um, yeah. So give me, give me Auburn. Um, All right. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have our most marquee matchup of the Big Twelve slate. <laughs> Let's just go straight to the good one. Indiana State at Kansas. Kansas is favored by four and a half. Uh, last year. I don't know. I don't know if you remember this guy. Last year, um, I predicted a gr- I, I, I predicted Kansas to lose game one. I'm not going to do that this year. Um, I think Kansas is going to be improved, and I think Les Miles is at least good enough to beat Indiana State and cover the spread. Give me KU. Oh yeah, no Kansas, like 4.5 spread with Les. Les allegedly is an offensive coach. People have been telling me over and over doubtful <laughs> because he coached at LSU. Um, but yeah, Kansas, Kansas easy here. Kansas gets, uh, the first of their four or more wins this season. 
at Indiana State, and uh, I don't know how much they're going to cover by, but it's going to be more than four and a half. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, moving on, the team that beat Kansas last year, Nichols, at their rival Kansas State, the K-State Wildcats retooled without Bill Snyder, favored by 23 and a half. Uh, Ty, do you think they have any energy without old man Snyder? Do you think they can get a, get a first game cover? Not 23 and a half, no. No. I'll go with Nichols. Yeah, and I honestly, I was going to go Nichols too. And I'm still going to go Nichols. Honestly, I, I think that this is, uh, this might, I'm not going to say it's going to be an upset, but I think that if Nichols somehow beat K-State, it would be really funny and possible. But give me Nichols to cover 23 and a half. Um, Next up, James Madison at West Virginia. This is an interesting line tie. I don't know if you've seen this. Mountaineers are only favored by seven points. I don't know if I'm, I don't. That's, look, and James Madison, only D2 team to win a national championship uh, that is not named North Dakota State. So if you're Ford Brandon, you would be wanting them into probably the Pac-10 or something. I don't know. Wherever, probably the ACC. Um, <laughs> yeah, the ACC, James Madison is nowhere near the Pacific Coast. But, you know, they'll rewind it. Sounds it, it sounds very, it's not very Pac-10-y, but uh, James Madison at West Virginia, I'm not really buying the uh, buying the Kool-Aid here on James Madison. I think, I, look, I, I just, I think West Virginia, they're going to be bad, but they're going to be good enough to beat this team by more than seven. Give me the Mountaineers to cover. Oh, yeah. West Virginia and uh, Austin Kendall, easy here. Seven, that's a joke. There, there are some lines this, this week that are absolutely ridiculous. Like, I, would, I, I don't even... There's got to be a talk or something involved here. That's stupid easy. West Virginia, minus seven. I would also like to lock that uh, Blake is definitely going to pick James Madison here. Just, I don't know. That seems like a very Blake pick. Yeah, um, that's okay. That's good. We, can, we need to even out that win-loss. Yeah, he, he's got a two-game head start on me, one-game head start on you. Um, yeah. Anyways, moving on. Louisiana Tech got number 10 Texas. UT is favored by 20 and a half. Uh, some, some chippiness in the offseason. Terry Bradshaw uh, talking about possibly beating Texas, called the upset. Um, do you think La Tech gets anywhere near Texas here? No, as much as I hate to say it, Texas twenty and a half. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, it, asking me to asking me to look. I, I said it last year that I thought we had this whole thing about where I thought Texas would definitely come out hot against Maryland. They didn't, but I mean Louisiana Tech. As much as I'd love to take it, Maryland this... had a a thing for them. They they had them a little figured out with a lot of schemes. Um, and they just kind of had the athletes and the matchups to set up the conditions for those upsets. If you want to call them upsets, I would just call them wins. But yeah, Louisiana Tech, 20 and a half points. That's uh, Texas all day. Yeah, and look, Louisiana Tech isn't, they're not bad. They've had some, they played, they're really good last year. Um, played LSU pretty close, but I just, I don't know. I can't. I can't take the. I can't take the twenty and a half. Um, but I could. I could. I, I could easily see LaTeX covering that. But I'm going to put my trust in the Longhorns to not make idiots of themselves. Game one. Give me Texas. Um, moving on. We got the battle of the Orange OSUs. The OSU Bowl. Oklahoma State at Oregon. This is a Friday night game. Uh, Cowboys favored by fifteen. Um, I'm just going to go out and say it right now. Just Let's just get this over with. OSU is going to wax, wax Oregon State. It's not <laughs> even going to be – it is not going to be close. I don't care if they have two quarterbacks. I don't – look, we made fun of the multi-quarterback multi thing. But you know what? O, OSU is just on a – the Oklahoma State Cowboys are on a completely different uh, stratosphere from Oregon State, um, even in their confused, stupid – status of not having a quarterback give me oklahoma state to cover 15 
today, tomorrow, yesterday, any day of the week. Um, yeah, so Pokes cover 15. Yeah, I, I don't really have anything to add here. The, the brightest orange outshines whatever Oregon State is claiming that their orange is. And everyone has a different orange that's their orange. But yeah, Oklahoma State minus 15, I'll take that. I'm not as confident, but I'll take that. I'm, I'm happy enough to, to call that. For sure. Now, final game of the week. Um, obviously the one you guys came here to listen about. Uh, Houston at number four, Oklahoma. OU is favored by 23 and a half. I, I hate betting against OU. This, this line is a freaking joke. This it, is it's an absolute... Who in the world thinks that OU is going to put up 24 more points than Houston with Dana Holgerson, who has always had decent games against OU, and Derek King? That is ridiculous. That is absurd. That My thing... Potentially fraud. Most definitely, this should be illegal. Lock the hell out of Houston on this cover. The, yeah. This is this is ridiculous. And as much as I hate to bet against you, I just I don't see Houston not keeping this within twenty one. Oh um, no, I still OU is still going to win by at least two touchdowns. If you were to ask me, but yeah. Twenty four more points. I just don't see it. I this, just don't. If we are scoring every time we touch the football. I still don't believe in our defense enough for us to get 24 more points than them. They can manage the clock with the assets that they have. And they will put up points against us. No matter how good our defense is this year, they will put up points against us. Definitely. And, I mean, let me put it this way. Last year, OU was favored by just 21 to beat FAU. Um, we obvious Jameson and I obviously locked the hell out of FAU. OU ended up like trouncing them. Uh, yeah, but that's a reasonable line. Like the only note that you had about the team was that it was coached by a guy that has never successfully coached any other team, but is somehow famous. Exactly, and, and the thing is, they didn't. We didn't know who their quarterback was. The guy they ended up starting, Jameson and I said, "There's no way in hell they're going to start him." Derek King is not a nobody. He is going to be very good and keep this game close. Uh, give me Houston plus 23 and a half. I feel very comfortable with that. Almost as comfortable as I felt with Army last year. OU minus 21 on that. Yeah, I thought that game was going to be close. and uh-huh. got, got, I got way too close on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that actually that does it for our, our uh, little predictions for week one. So, yep. that does it for the pod, actually. So, week yep, one in the books. Have- we have one bit of news uh, breaking as uh, of the recording. Uh, as of about 8.18 right now on Monday, as of about an hour and a half ago, State has announced they have a new mascot. They're not replacing their old one. And it is BB the Miniature Horse. Go find it on Twitter. Do with that information what you would like. But you heard it. But yeah, got the news out. So there that you go. that got that got super choppy there. But um, in case you couldn't in case you couldn't hear there, Oklahoma State mini horse mascot named BB, sidekick to Bullet. I hate OSU, but you know what? That is absolutely adorable. Uh, and it also gives you an excuse to make all the parks and rec, rec- parks and rec uh, references you want uh, after we beat them in November. Bye bye, little Sebastian, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, that's I think that's our show, Ty. Yep, that is a that is week one. First official week of the the Schooner Pod. This is my first official game week one, so super happy. I think it's a, a decent product that we're getting out to you guys, the listeners. So thank you for listening, and Bobby, as always, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, also, happy happy first birthday to the Schooner Pod. Uh, you know, it's been a, oh, it's yeah. been a, yeah, 
this week. We inadvertently had our birthday show on Friday. Completely forgot about that. But um, thank you guys so much for listening to, to both this and Off the Wagon throughout this year. It's been such a fun experience. It's been the, it's been the world to me. Um, it's been very fun to make these for you. Uh, for those of you who have been listening and been with us every step of the way, thank you so much for your support. Um, we Honestly, we probably would still be making these. But uh, we 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 wouldn't we wouldn't be making these without your, your your support and your feedback, and it means the most. It mean it means so much to me that um, you guys have been listening to this, and I'm looking forward to doing uh, bigger and better things with this, with both this and the blog. So, um, here's a quick little message from Jameson. He wanted to say thanks as well. So take it away, Jameson. Hey y'all, it's Jameson. Crazy to think it's been one year since we first recorded on the Schooner Pod about the depth chart. I had so much fun doing it, and I'm so glad Bobby asked me to help him out. It allowed me to do something different and fun, while at the same time having an outlet to express all of my sports knowledge. And how times have changed. Um, While I traverse the depths of medical school, the Schooner Pod is in great hands with Ty and Bobby. I'm really excited to listen to what they put out this year and all of their great new and fun ideas. Thank you to all who listened to me ramble about recruiting, hate on K-State for always losing my weekend spread picks, and uh, hating on Pee Wee Tom Herman since then. Um, Boomer. Thank you so much for that, Jameson. I know it had certainly been the time of my life last year, this past year. It's been fantastic, but um, looking forward to having you on. Very rare spots, but um, yeah, for now... Listen to me and Ty on the Schooner Pod. We are going to take you all the way through this season. Uh, if you like pods like this, if this is your first time hearing one of our regular season pods, hit that subscribe button uh, wherever you are. Spotify, iTunes, I don't know, Stitcher, maybe one of the weird ones, Podbean. Hit that sub button. Yeah, it, it takes nothing. Um, also, hit us up with that five-star review. We are five-star men, all three of us. And um, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We got a lot of cool stuff coming your way. Pretty pretty big surprise. Starting something pretty big on game day. So um, make sure you, you follow us on there, uh, at the Schooner blog, uh, at Insta Schooner on Instagram. And, yeah. So, anyways, for me and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. Uh, thank you so much, and Boomer Sooner.
I'm Mike Jones, don't act like you don't know the name. Ain't nothing changed, but my change don't stay the same. I'm Mike Jones, don't act like you don't know my name. Ain't nothing changed, but my change don't stay the same. Now I'm 